Well, hey, Isaiah chapter 58 is where we are, and I want to tell you I'm very, very excited to share with you what we're going to dig into today. It may not sound that exciting when we first talk about it, because what we're talking about is fasting, which actually maybe this weekend's kind of exciting after Thanksgiving. <laughs> there might be a lot of us saying, man, I need that. You know, you, know, you might have gotten on the scale and went off. No, but anyway, uh, but, but you know what? We want to talk about it as a part of connecting with God. And let me kind of clue you in on where we're headed. You see, we uh, started the year by talking about level four living, which is being all out for God and not holding back, being completely his. And as we talked about that all the way into August, then we wanted to say, now that we've really understood that living with God and experiencing God in an all-out committed way is the life you and I were meant for, then how do we connect with God in deeper and more intimate ways? How do we have that happen? And so we said there are certain disciplines that God gives us for that. And when we experience those disciplines, it becomes amazing. And so we began by saying, you know what, is one of the ways is through passionate prayer. And, and we begin to experience God when we really passionately pray with him. Uh, the second one we talked about was meditation. And when you meditate, uh, God speaks to you. Now, God speaks in many ways, but maybe the most clear the, the most way that we aren't going to miss it is when we're meditating. And we do that through biblical meditation. Then we talked about experiencing and sensing God through doing acts of kindness. And when we do those with him and for him, what happens is we begin to tune into God in a very clear way. And that helps us in other experiences of life to sense his presence. Then we talked about Sabbath. And, and if you were here about Sabbath, we spent two weeks on it. That's literally having a retreat with God where you delight in the Lord, where you experience him by loving him with all your heart and loving other people, where you feast and you celebrate and you think only of blessings and only of good things and, and you share in a very deep way with others. Now, now, if you weren't here, I'd encourage you to go listen to it. But let me tell you, maybe the most important thing about we talked about on Sabbath that you need to bring into today. And here's what it is. Sabbath, if you understood it correctly, is not about what you do not do. It's about what you do. A lot of people think Sabbath is about, oh, I, I rest and don't work. And if you were here, you saw that's not true. Sabbath is about rest, but it's about a manuha rest where you experience a taste of heaven by feasting, by praying, by thanking God for the blessings, by not being sad, by rejoicing in every way you can, by sharing in love for others and blessing others and, and having it be an invigorating time. And so it's not about what you don't do. It's about the joys of what you get to do with God. That's the same with fasting. Fasting is not about what you don't eat or what you give up for a period of time. It's more about what you do. Now, this is so important that I want to really say it as clearly as I can again. Fasting correctly is not about what you do not do. It's about what you do instead of eating or giving up something for God. So we don't want to focus on what you're giving up so much as what you want to do and experience in it. Uh, um, Dallas Willard in The Great Omission talked about the spiritual disciplines. And he said this. He said the spiritual disciplines are special activities many engaged in by Jesus himself. Such as solitude, study, service, secrecy, fasting, and worship. They are ways in which we undertake to follow the New Testament mandate to put to death or to make no provision for merely earthly aspects of our lives. And in doing so, we put on the new person. He says, the emphasis in this dimension of spiritual transformation is upon our efforts. Now, I want to want you to miss that. 
Dallas Willard, Dr. Willard said this, the emphasis of spiritual transformation is based upon our effort. We really do have to put in effort to make these things happen. And I know it's not easy. I know the idea of even passionate prayer. I know the idea of biblical meditation. I know the idea of taking Sabbath and really doing Sabbath correctly or or of fasting. It takes some effort. But he says that's where the transformation comes. And he does say, true, we are all given much and without grace we can do nothing. He goes, but our action is also required. Our action is also required. Now, what we said is, and it's true if you catch it, God's love for you and grace for you is not based on what you do. But I want you to know that God in his wisdom has said that his blessings in your life are going to be based on what you do. In other words, you might say, well, I don't know if I understand that. So let me reemphasize it again. You are not going to get answered prayer if you don't pray. Now, James 4, 2, you have not because you ask not. You're not going to get the blessings of meditation if you don't meditate. You're not going to get the great, great promises we saw that come with Sabbath if you don't keep a Sabbath. You're not going to get the amazing blessings of fasting if you don't fast. But when you do, and when you do it correctly, it becomes amazing. Now, now, one other thing I need to emphasize, and I got to make sure I get this in, is whenever we do a spiritual discipline, it's always done with God. It needs to be in an intimate connection with God, which deepens our connection, but it's something you do with the Lord. And by the way, when that happens, it turns something that might not seem pleasurable into something amazing. For instance, fasting might not seem pleasurable, but it becomes amazing when you do it with the Lord. Uh, I shared this before, but this is probably a good example. When I was in ninth grade, I was struggling in algebra. And my mom told me, she goes, I, I just, I want you to get a great grade. It's important to your life. And so I hired a tutor. And I said, no, mom, I don't want to go to a tutor. Somehow I'll make it. She goes, no, I hired a tutor. And I thought, great. Now not only have an algebra class I don't like, now three nights a week, I'm going to sit there with somebody and and have to do algebra. It just seemed like the end of the world. I thought it was such a horrible idea. My mom laid down the law and said, you're going. So I grabbed my algebra book. I walked about three blocks away. I knocked on the door of a house of people I didn't know. And the door opened and there stood before me one of the most beautiful girls I'd ever seen in my life. And I praise God for my mom. I wasn't even a Christian and I was praising God. And, uh, and I'm looking at this girl. She goes, oh yeah, I'm your tutor and I love algebra. And I thought, ah, uh, me too. And uh, we went in and I got to tell you, those were three of the most joyous nights of the week for me. Now, what was the difference? It was who I was doing it with. And, and she would get real close to me and watch me do the problem. And I would think, oh, keep going. And, and algebra could last forever as far as I was concerned. And, and why? It was who I was with. Now, when you're doing these things with Jesus, if you're taking Sabbath with Jesus, who's Lord of the Sabbath, oh my, it becomes incredible. And, and when you begin to tune into God this way in fasting, it becomes incredible. And, and, but you got to do it right. That's the key I want you to understand. You got to do it right because a lot of times people don't get it right. And when you don't, you miss out. Isaiah chapter 58, look what God is telling Isaiah to do. He says in verse 1, cry loudly and do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their transgression and to the house of Jacob their sins. Now notice this, verse 2, yet they seek me day by day and delight to know my ways. Now now I I don't want you to miss this. God says they are seeking me. And they're trying to know my ways. They're trying to know me and they're trying to know my ways. And he goes on to say, um, 
as a nation that has done righteous and has not forsaken the ordinance of God. They ask me for just decisions. They're praying. And then it says, they delight in the nearness of God. Now, he said, I want you to know, I know what you're doing. You are praying to me and you're seeking me and you want to know how to live and what to do and you want to be close to me and they're not getting any of it. Now, now don't miss that. Is it possible some here today, not that God doesn't love you, that's not what I'm saying, not that you don't even love God, but somehow something's missing. Somehow something's just not right and, and God says, I know you want to be near me, but you're not near me. I know you want to have answered to prayer, but you're not getting them. I know that you want to have me guide you in your life, but that's not happening. I know you want to be set free from or protected from, but it's not occurring. And you say, God, why? Are you really there? And God says, you know what, Isaiah, I want you to go teach the people how to experience it right because they're getting it wrong. Uh, He even says in verse 3, the question they say, they say, why have we fasted and you do not see? God, why do we fast and pray and you don't see us? And then it says, why have we humbled ourselves and you don't notice? It's incredibly important to know what's being addressed here is a group of people who want to fast and want to pray. And by the way, are fasting and they are praying, but what are they getting out of it? Nothing. And they say, God, are you, are you even there? And, and God says, Isaiah, go teach them what they're doing wrong and what they're doing right. Here's my point. It doesn't do any good to fast if you don't fast correctly or Sabbath or all the others. Meditation. You got to do it right. And you, it, best intention will not, not get you the promise. Some of you here said, well, I fasted. I don't know what I got out of it. Well, if you fast correctly, you're going to know what you got out of it. I, I, I want to say that again. If you're going to fast correctly, if you do it right, you're not going to wonder when it's over. Did it work? You're going to know. You're going to know. Like that's the same with Sabbath. When you do Sabbath correctly, you're going to be celebrating. Uh, when you meditate correctly, you're going to know, man, things are awesome. And by the way, next week, praying the names of God. Well, when you do it right, you're going to get it. But if you do it wrong, you're going to miss out. Uh, kind of like the three brothers who, uh, man, they loved their mom. Their mom had just put herself out there for them. She had cared for them. She had just literally worked herself to death to make sure all three went through college. And they ended up meeting gorgeous wives, getting married, having great lives together. And they got together and said, you know, mom's getting older. And I, we think we ought to this year just literally blow it out of the water and, and really do something for her so she knows how much we appreciate her. Let's just go all out. Well, one of the brothers thought, I know what I'll do. I'll buy her a big house and move her out of that little tiny house she's always lived in. So he bought this big, beautiful house, big front yard, big backyard. And he, he brought his mom and said, this is yours and moved all her stuff in. Another brother thought, you know, I, I don't like the idea she has that little crummy car. He went out and bought her the most expensive, the biggest Mercedes he could. Heated seats, ventilated seats, just wanted it to be incredible for her. Gave her the car. Another brother thought, okay, she's kind of taken care of there. You know what? Mom's eyes are getting kind of dim, and, and, and she's not able to see as well. And the thing she loves more than anything is the Bible. And he found the perfect gift. It was a parrot that actually knew every single verse in the Bible. And, and, and it not only would just quote scripture so she could sit there and hear the scripture that she had read for years, but if she said a verse to it, it would say it back to her. And so he gave her this parrot. Well, the, 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 each of the sons uh, went to their mailbox and opened it up and it was a letter from their mom. And the first son opened it up. And she said, son, I know you meant well by buying me that house, but I got to tell you something, it's too big. And, and, you know, my little house was fine for me. And this big old house, I just don't sit in one or two rooms of it. But I got to clean the whole thing. And at my age, that's just hard. And I'm sorry, but it just isn't working. 
The other son opened up his mailbox and she said, son, I appreciate what you meant to do by buying me that beautiful car. But at my age, I don't like to drive. And that car is so big, I can't get it around anyway. So it's just sitting out there gathering dust. And then the third son opened up the mailbox and he looked and it was a note. And she said, son, you get me. You know what I love. And I know your brother's tried, but I want to tell you, you got it perfect. That chicken was delicious. I, uh... <laughs> so when we fast, we want to get it right. That's the point. And, uh, and so we want to really nail it. In Isaiah chapter 58, he begins to talk about this. He says in the middle of verse 3, Behold, on the day of your fast, you find your own desire. And drive hard all your workers. Behold, you fast for contention and strife, and you strike with a wicked fist. You do not fast like you do today to make your voice heard on high. God says, do you get it? You blew it. I, I mean, you're telling me you're fasting and praying for me, but you're still talking bad about people, and you're still losing your temper, and you're still treating people poorly. And he said, if you do that and fast, guess what you get? Nothing. He said, that's not how you fast. You got to fast right. You got to get it right. You got to be seeking to be more loving, seeking to be more Christ-like, seeking to experience God in a more real way. And he says, if you're going to do that, you're going to get blessed. But the problem is that's not going to happen if you don't fast right. You can't be mean-spirited. You can't be angry. You can't gripe. You can't complain. By the way, if you remember the service on Sabbath, what we talked about there is we said if you go to Sabbath and you do it right, there's no negative things allowed. You can't say a negative thing, a complaining thing, only blessing. Well, when you go into the fasting, it's the same thing. As you're with God, you want to talk in ways and speak in ways and act in ways that are going to literally cause him to be honored. And, and he said, when you do that, you're going to get it. You got to fast right. You got to fast right. And so he says in verse 5, is the fast like this which I choose a day for a man to humble himself? Are you supposed to walk around going, oh, I'm fasting. Man, life's so hard. Man, I just want to tell you I love God. And oh, man, I, I'm a little weak because no food. Yeah, oh, man, I'll try not to get irritable. I got that headache. I, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. How long have you been fasting? Three hours. You know, and uh, <laughs> Jesus said when you fast, what do you do? He says you wash your face and you dress up and you walk around excited and you, you know, you, you tell people what, how great life is. And by the way, we're going to see in a minute, and God says, look to bless others. He goes, I don't want you to walk around going, oh, poor me. You know, it, you got you to gotta understand, you got to be, it's not about what you don't do, it's about what you do. Now, that being said, let's go ahead and do the definition of a fast before we read on. Fasting is giving up something for a period of time that will cause you to really miss it in a way then that you use that to focus in prayer. Now, now, obviously, food's one, and we'll talk about food. But, but there are other ways to fast rather than giving up food. Uh, Daniel chose to give up pleasant-tasting food and bathing for 21 days. Uh, I'm not recommending that one here. And if, if you do decide to go the 21 days without a shower, well, we'll love you from a distance. But, uh, uh, but that's what he chose to do. And obviously, as the, the not bathing took on itself and, and only eating bland food for 21 days, he began to focus more on prayer to God and tune in more to God and, and use that to, to really reach out to God. And, and so that's a way to fast. I did a fast one time where for 40 days, I gave up all diet Pepsi or any kind of caffeine, caffeine drinks and, and 
And the reason is, is I love them. And so that whenever I would want to grab one, I would use that time to pray and seek God. But I want to tell you, let me say this. There was something else I had to learn to do at the end of it that turned it into the fast God would love. But by the way, for me, it really increased my intensity of prayer. I prayed more. I talked to God more. And then I did this one thing that you got to make sure you do at the end to really bring it together. And and God really moved in that time. Uh, uh, The most common form of fasting is to give up food for maybe 24 hours. By the way, in Leviticus 16 is the only place in the Bible where there's a command to fast. And it's on the Day of Atonement. And it's from evening to evening, 24 hours. The only other call for a fast that's longer maybe than that is Esther's call for three days. But, but the bottom line is usually uh, a fast is for a, if it's no food and, and maybe nothing uh, except water to drink uh, or maybe not even water to drink in that period. But the bottom line is, is you need to do it for a shorter period of time. And usually it'd be no food maybe in just water or something like that. Maybe for a, a day or two days or three days. And you use that to focus in on God. Now, now, here's what's interesting. In this Time Magazine article, How Faith Can Heal, that came out on February the 23rd, 2009, and I've been quoting from it because I'm so intrigued by it, because here's the thing that we, we see is, is common in everything they study. This is all on medical. It's the medical benefits, the physical benefits of living out faith. They are finding that when you meditate, your brain actually changes and works better. They're finding when you pray intensely, your brain actually changes and fires better and actually your immune system rises. You actually have a better immunity. Now, now you ready for this? They found in fasting something interesting. And this, this kind of intrigued me. Listen to what it says. It says, fasting done correctly will lead to a state of clarity and even euphoria. In other words, your mind thinks better. You focus better. Isn't it interesting when God says, Jesus said, when you fast. In other words, we're going to fast. When you do, you're going to focus your prayers better. Why? Because your brain actually will function better. Now, to me, that would be the opposite. I would think that by being hungry, that we'd be distracted. But, but actually, physically, you're able to tune in better. You're able to focus more. Not just because, hey, I'm hungry, now I'll pray. But because your brain is functioning better. And they found that this happens when you fast. Even to the point that many people experience a state of euphoria. A feeling of, of joy, of pleasantness, because of chemicals released in the body. Now listen to what it goes on to say. It says, the brain... Is a very energy-intensive organ, one that requires a lot of calories to keep running. When food intake is cut, the liver steps into the breach, producing glucose and sending it throughout the body, but always making sure the brain gets a particularly generous helping. In other words, you're going to get the purest brain food you can in this initial part of the fast. The glucose made by the liver shot to the brain so your brain functions better. Now, if you haven't caught it, what scientists are discovering is that our bodies function better when we do spiritual things to the point that they have to ask the question, were we made for this? By the way, were you made to have a relationship with God? Were you designed for that? Well, yeah, uh, the medical evidence is there to say yes. And, and when you do it correctly, it says it re- leads to this incredible state uh, of your brain being fed when you do it for that brief period of time in the correct way. It goes on to say there are very real changes that occur in the body very rapidly that explain clarity during fasting, according to Dr. Catherine Gordon, an endocrinologist of Children's Hospital in Boston. She says the brain actually enters a different state state in a short-term fast where it functions more efficiently. 
Now, now, when we fast, God wants you to tune into him. God wants you to experience him. God wants your body to function better. And, and he wants you to grow closer to him, even to the point of a state of euphoria. And God wants that to happen. And so we need to understand that. And that's the desire. So you may choose to give up something for a, a more extended period of time, uh, like tasty food or, or you know, uh, one of my friends gave up social networking and computers. Uh, and he said, man, was that a, a while not to touch a computer uh, uh, for 30 days and what it did to him with God. Uh, but you know what? You could choose that. But more likely than not, we will all have times in our life where we will fast from food. Now, fasting is for self-discipline. Uh, fasting is to teach our bodies, to master our bodies, and to tell our bodies that it's not in control. Fasting is to tell our bodies that the appetites within us do not control us. It's a fulfillment of Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25, where Jesus said, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For he who would seek to save his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Interesting again. Don't, don't, I hope you grab this. That most of us, at least me, I would assume that in fasting, I would actually find myself missing out. But according to the studies, if I fast, I will actually be enhanced. And Jesus said, by giving something up like that, you will actually find life like you never have before. Now, this isn't just fasting. This is more than that. But that's what happens with Jesus. When we choose to say, okay, I, I'm going to give this up for the Lord. He always blesses you more. When you release something to God, you got to keep those hands out because he's going to pour more back in. That's how it works with God. It, it's a, a part of what happens in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, where Paul says, I discipline my body and I make it my slave. So after I preach to others, I myself might not be disqualified. So in fasting, part of what I'm doing is, is, is disciplining my body. I'm telling my body, no. My body says, I want to eat. And I say, no, you're not going to eat. We're going to pray. My body said, I want to think about food. And we say, no, we're going to tune into God. My body says, oh, now I'm irritable. And you say, no, you're going to love. And, and oh, I got that, that, that feeling. And you say, no, I'm going to praise. And you tell your body how to act. And it ends up breeding into your life an amazing discipline that helps you in other areas. It's this amazing growth spiritually. It's an amazing way to be stronger spiritually. And fasting is one of those ways to master self. Fasting is to increase focus. So that what happens is this is huge. If I'm going to fast, I must, whatever I'm fasting from, use that so I pray more. If, if I, you know, come to lunchtime and I, I'm not going to eat, what do I do? I spend that lunchtime in prayer. And I talk to God and share with God about it. Throughout the day, I feel the hunger pain. I stop and say, God, I know why I'm doing this for you. It's because, and I begin to, to put out the request to him and ask him about things. And so fasting is for focus. And, and fasting is an amazing thing to bring results in our life. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 21 what happened prior to that, Jesus has been on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he's been there with Elijah and Moses, and Peter and James and John are in awe of what they've seen. He comes down from the mountain, and waiting at the bottom is crowds of people, and a father whose son is demon-possessed, and he runs over and says, I brought my son to your disciples to cast the demon out, but they can't do it. Lord, if you can, and Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. And he goes, help me, and help my unbelief. And Jesus walks over and casts the demon out. His disciples get with him and say, why couldn't we do it? 
And Jesus said these words, Matthew 17, 21. These kind only come out by prayer and fasting. There are certain things in my life and certain things in your life that are only going to happen if we pray and fast. Certain uh, 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 releases that are come. Certain victories to come. Uh, certain intercessions for other people to come. And when we pray and fast, we're going to see the results of that. And, and that's why Jesus said, when you fast, he expects there'll be times you and I will choose to fast over something. Now, what will it be over? We'll look at chapter 58 of Isaiah verse 6, and it says this. It says, is this not the fast which I choose? Now, number one, what do we do? To loosen the bonds of wickedness and undo the bands of the yoke. In other words, is there something in your life that, that you can't, it's, it's a wicked thing, an evil thing, and you can't seem to overcome? We sometimes call that sin problem. Uh, sometimes we call it bad habits. But, but is there something that you need to see yourself release from and master? And Jesus said, and, and you know what? Certain things are only going to happen by prayer and fasting. And so maybe it's a spiritual battle in your life and you need to see victory there. Maybe it's a, a sin issue and maybe, you know, it's a drug dependency, an alcohol dependency, an anger problem, a lust problem. Uh, maybe, you know what, you find yourself just so, so depressed. You can't, it's, it's this gloom that's over you and you're walking around feeling so burdened and weary. And the Lord says, you know what you need to do? Fast and pray for a release from that. Fast and ask God to break the bondage, to break the yoke of it. And, and then what God does is he begins to call you to come to him. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, get rid of the old yoke. Get rid of what's burdening you. Right now, maybe some of you are so worried you can't stand it. You know, fast and pray for a release from it. Some of you might have fear in your life. Fast and pray for a release from it. Some of you might find yourself saying, every time I get in a relationship, I destroy it. Fast and pray for a release from that. So you might say, man, I just, I, I'm just beaten. Fast and pray for victory. And so what you do is you ask God to come and, and help you be released from something. And that's one reason we fast. And so we do it for a release. There's a second reason it says there. And notice this in the middle of verse 6. And to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. You don't always fast for yourself. Actually, it's good to fast for other people or situations. So what happens is, you know, I, I see somebody else is hurting and I fast and pray to intercede for them. Or maybe there's something affecting our area or community. We fast and pray for release from that. Uh, a pastor in, in Kentucky was so horrified that a strip club was opened up in his city. And the city leaders tried to get rid of it, but you know, the constitutional law said you can't be against it. And then his, his people in his church said, let's go picket it. He said, let's don't picket it. Let's fast and pray against it. And he called for a three-day fast. And they fasted on Friday and Saturday and Sunday. They fasted and Sunday night they came together to pray against the strip club. And they got together and they prayed and they ended their fast and they went away believing God would do something. And that night, a huge lightning storm rolled in and lightning hit the strip club. It caught on fire and burned to the ground. The owner of the club sued the pastor. And the courts threw it out, but the pastor said, don't throw it out. We did it. We did it. They, he wanted him to keep it. 
You know what? Is is how do you pray against things like that? Human trafficking and, and, and other people being hurt by things. Maybe you have a person in your life, your family, and you're wanting them to be set free from something. The Bible says, well, we need to do at times fast and pray for them and really seek God's release. And when you do that, God says something's enhanced. Why? Because you're praying for someone else. You're focused on other things and you're doing it correctly. But now here's the key. We're going to make sure we understand what you get from fasting and how you fast correctly. So let's pick up in chapter 58, verse 7. Notice what he says. Now, fasting correctly, is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house? And when you see the naked, to cover him and to hide him or to hide yourself from your own flesh. Now, now he starts out with saying, now you need to fast to, have, to be freed from things. And you need to fast to intercede for others. But he said, if you're going to fast correctly, then you need to make sure that you're giving to others. This was the thing that I was referring to before. When I chose for 40 days to go without this, that meant obviously I wasn't spending money on it. And that meant, you know, back then especially, man, I would cruise by 7-Eleven and get my double big gulp and, you know, buck whatever. And, And so now I'm not spending the money on that. But here's the key. I can't keep that money. If I'm going to fast correctly, I can't keep it. What I need to do is save up all the money I would have spent and go out and give it to somebody else. Go out and bless someone else. So let's say that, you know, we decide we're going to fast for 24 hours. And, and you know what is I would have spent so much for breakfast and so much for lunch and so much for dinner. And then what I would do is take that money and then I go find somebody who's in need and I give it to them. So I'm not keeping any of it. It's not about being selfish. Maybe what I do, maybe I gather a few families together and say, I'm about to do a fast. You guys want to join me? And you know what? At at the end of the fast, why don't we take the money that we would have spent on groceries and let's go buy groceries for a family in need. I know this young couple and they're struggling. Let's just take all that and pull it together and go bless them. Uh, Maybe you say, well, you know, I don't know if I want to do it with others. Maybe you go to the grocery store and you buy things and you come and turn it into our food pantry. We're feeding almost 300 families every single month. And what would happen if every one of us once a month took a fast and went and bought food? Man, we would feed those people so easy. But if you caught the point, the point is I look for a way to touch and bless others. You know, maybe I go and buy food and take it down. I know where a homeless guy is down towards Main Street. And I stop and say, here you go, man. Bless you. God bless you. And I make sure I'm not being selfish in it. This is a huge key to fasting. It's one of the ones that's left out. And they say, God, why aren't you hearing? And God says, because you're being selfish. Not only are you being mean-spirited, you're not being selfless. And, And if you caught, if you haven't caught it, when we talk about Sabbath and we talk about fasting, it always somehow includes other people. Why? Because God's greatest commandment is you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you'd love others as yourself. And when you do these two correctly, you're enacting that commandments into your life, and you're going to see God affecting you in amazing ways. So what God is saying is if you're going to do this, you've got to go out and bless other people. So, you know, if you came and said, well, Chuck, you know, I'm just going to fast for a, a day and pray a lot, uh, but, you know, I don't want to do that part of it, then here's what I'd say to you. Biblically, then, don't expect any results. But if you're going to start loving other people, you're going to start giving to others, you're going to start making sure somebody else gets blessed. Then I said, get ready for amazing results. Get ready for amazing results. What are those results? Look at verse 8. It says this, then, because you do it right, then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will spread 
speedily spring forth. In other words, you know, maybe I'm, I'm saying, God, I need this freedom in my life. This thing is painting me. And God says, when you do this, guess what? There's a light that's going to break out upon you like the dawn, like a, a sunrise is going to come in your life. And you're going to find all of a sudden the strength happening, the recovery happening, the, 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 the release happening. You're going to see it speedily moving into your life. And then he says this, and your righteousness will go before you. In other words, people are going to see something and you're like, wow, you know, God's doing something here and you're going to find yourself changing and yourself being more who you were created to be. And then it says, the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And God says, I'm going to put my hand upon you and protect you in a special way. You're going to find my presence in your life to be the Jehovah Nisai, which we're going to talk about next week, like you never have before. And then it goes on to say, then you will call and the Lord will answer. Do you catch what he just said? You're going to get answered prayer. Now, again, this isn't like this magical thing. I fasted, God has to move. No, it's about attaching yourself to God in such a way that you find God answering your prayers. And, and, and you're going, Lord, whoa. And I'm not saying, by the way, please don't miss this. God isn't bound to do anything he wouldn't choose to do. But you're going to find answers coming and happening like you never have before when you enact this into your life. And then this is the part I get most excited about. I don't know if you will. But look what he says here in verse 9. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. Now, I don't know if that gets you going. I got to be honest, it gets me going. I mean, actually, it should get us all going. You know, if that didn't light your fire, your wood's wet. <laughs> you know, uh, I heard a guy say one time, if that don't ring your bell, you don't have a downer. But anyway, uh, uh, the idea here is this. God says, here I am. You will understand and experience the presence of God more clearly than you ever have before. You're not going to go, God, where are you? You're going to say, here he is. You're going to go, whoa, man, I'm more tuned in than ever. I'm more aware than ever. I'm more sensitive than ever. I'm more uh, uh, excited than ever about the presence of God in my life. And not only will you get prayers answered, but the presence of God's going to be with you and upon you and around you. And then he says this, though, if, if you remove the yoke from your midst, in other words, you know, like if I'm fasting to break away from, let's say, smoking, I throw the cigarettes out. I don't fast and pray and say, God, help me to, you know, throw out the temptation. If I'm fasting for pornography and you got magazines in your home, throw them out, shred them, whatever. <laughs> you know, if your laptop's the problem, you know, well, break it. But, uh, you know, uh, you get rid of that from your house, you know, and, and you do that. He says this, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, you can't be mean-spirited. And then he says, and if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted. Did you catch again? I'll answer this if you go out and bless others. You don't be mean-spirited. You get rid of everything in your home you know is not supposed to be there in life. And he said, then you're going to find an answer. You're going to find me moving. He says, when you do that, notice what it says in verse 10. Then your light will rise in the darkness and your gloom will become like midday. You might be living right now in such a way that you say, man, I feel like I'm just in a fog. I feel like it's a gloomy day. I mean, I am, I'm depressed. Sometimes I just want to cry. And God says, when you do this right, what's going to happen is I'm going to lift that from you. I'm going to make you go, wow, I see the sunshine again. You might say, life is so hard right now, I'm not sure how I'll make it. God said, that's not how you're going to feel when you're done doing this right with me. When you really focus and you experience my presence and my release, God says, I'm going to do that for you. And so we need to trust in that. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. He's going to give you rest. He's going to give you peace. He's going to give you joy. By the way, God wants that for you. Is it easy? No. But you know what? It's worth it. 
It's worth it to, to share in that with God. Then verse 11, don't miss this. And the Lord will continually guide you. Now, now I need to hustle, but don't miss this. This is too important. God has a will for your life. God has a plan for your life. He is a father who loves you. And he says, if you would live this way, I want you to experience this and this and this. And it's kind of like, you know, you're right here now in your life. And God says, I want to get you to right here. And oh, wait till I show you this. And I want you to get you over here. And oh, this is going to be incredible. And for me, what happened is uh, four years ago, I'm sitting at CCV in San Dimas thinking, God, I can't even imagine anything better than this. And I'm loving life like this. And, and, and I can't believe what you're doing. And I'm excited about what we're experiencing. And God's thinking, no, no, you don't understand, Chuck. Right over here, I'm going to send you home to Corona and, and send you back to your home church crossroads. And then it's going to really take off. But what I'm going to do during this time is prepare you for what you're going to get here. And so as I began to do what Jeremiah says, Jeremiah 10, 23, where he said, I know, O Lord, it is not in man who walked to direct his steps. And I just reach out and say, God, take me where I'm going. All of a sudden, I go, wait, I'm leaving San Dimas? Hey, I didn't know that was going to happen. And, uh, and then I get over here. And then God says, well, not only are you going to get over here, you're going to have your grandson closer to you. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do that. And, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, and God does that. Do you know God cares about where you work? God cares. If you're not married, he cares about who you marry. He actually wants to help you pick out that person. Matter of fact, he's already picked them out. You'd just be wise to take the one he gave you. Do you know he cares about your friends? He cares about, you know, where you live, what house you're in, the neighbors you have. God cares about all that. And you might say, well, wait, 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 wait. You know, I, I mean, I heard that just God has this big general will for you. And as long as you just do things that honor him, everything's fine. Well, I got to tell you, there's this passage of scripture that says in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Do you understand over and over, God tells you, I want to direct you. And what did it say right here? When you fast and pray, I will continually give you instruction. I will continue to give you instruction. So you're going to be able to stay on this path, seeing where he wants to take you, what he wants you to experience, and, and not get off of it and miss it. And God says, I want that for you. And that's part of tuning into God. It goes on to say this, he will satisfy your desire in the scorched places. Even when everything else is falling apart around you and it's a horrible, dry place to be, God will somehow within you, you'll go, God, I don't know why this joy is here, but it's here. And he'll satisfy your desire, the things you desire uh, uh, most. And then it goes on to say this, and he'll give strength to your bones and you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water and the waters do not fail. And those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins and you will raise up the age old foundations and you will be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of the streets. Uh, in which you dwell. God says, man, I'm going to cause all those things. You go, man, I always wish things were like God said. I'm going to start doing things you can't imagine. And you're going to repair uh, uh, relationships that are falling apart. You're going you're to bring together things that need to happen. And people are going to look at you and say, what's going on? It's because you're a prayer warrior. And God moves with you and for you. And so what do you do? Well, you know what? You have times of fasting where you need release and you have times of fasting where you intercede for others. Uh, years ago, when I was in Garden Grove, California, it was my first youth ministry, Pam and I, uh, we saw God start a revival. I mean, it was like, wow, we didn't expect it. Little tiny church, man, students are being saved. They're coming to Christ. It, it was just incredible, especially Fountain Valley High, Edison High, and Huntington Beach High. We just started to see it coming. And, and in the midst of it was this beautiful, beautiful girl named Melinda. 
Jewish girl, gorgeous, on fire. She gave her life to Christ. She knew he was her Messiah. And man, she just began to be used by God in incredible ways. Matter of fact, whenever I read the book of Esther, I, I have a picture of Melinda in my mind. I just think she's an Esther. And, and so what happened is her mom and dad, they were very concerned about this. They felt like she was walking away from being one of the, the Jewish people and, and that she wasn't really doing that. And she tried to explain it to them. But I mean, it just got more intense and more intense. And she started winning people more to Christ. And she got caught witnessing to some of her family. And her dad was beside himself with anger and embarrassment. And he kept warning her and warning her. And his dad, her dad loved her. He loved her. But he just didn't see what she was doing was right. And so finally, it just came to a head. And it was on a Tuesday that he got home from work and he was fuming mad. And he said, you're never going to that church again. I don't want you ever talking to Chuck and Pam again. I don't want you around those kids again. And I, right, let's go. And he took her up in a room. He got her Bible. He got all her Christian music. He got everything that had anything to do with Christianity. And he walked her outside and he handed it to her and said, throw it in the trash can. And I want you to know, never, ever, I don't want you to mention a word. I don't want you ever going. It's done. And if I have to put you in a private school to make it happen, I will. And her dad was one of those guys, when he said it, he meant it, and he walked away, she's crying, and she calls some people and said, I'm not going to be at church tomorrow night, and I'm not going to be there ever again. And man, her friends are all heartbroken, she's heartbroken. Wednesday night comes, and at Bible study, we, I, everybody's saying, what do we do? And I said, well, we fast and pray. And, uh, and, and someone said, well, let's do it together. And so what we decided is we'd have everyone gather at Pam and mine's house. And, and on a Friday night, and from Friday night to Saturday night, we would fast and pray 24 hours for her. And, and all the students show up, man, and they're filling our house. And, and we're hugging on each other. And we sit down and we just start praying and praying and praying. And we had set up a particular bedroom to send someone in. So somebody would be in there the whole time, 24 hours praying over this. And, and I remember I, about 3 in the morning, I thought that'll be the toughest time I opened the door. And there's like seven guys in there and they're praying and praying and praying passionately. And man, we just bathed that in prayer and sought God. Well, Saturday night ends and we're done and, and we just take off and we're waiting for Sunday. Sunday morning, Melinda's laying in bed. Her dad walks by her room and says, hey, aren't you getting up? She said, why? He goes, you'll be late for church. And she said, what? I thought I couldn't go. And he goes, oh, I don't know. You go ahead and go. And he walked away. Never again did he say a word against it. As a matter of fact, when Passover came, he invited almost most of us in the church to come and celebrate Passover so he could tell us what Jesus did to inaugurate the Lord's Supper. And God released her. He just interceded. I remember doing her wedding. I remember watching when they had kids. Today, her and her husband are doing amazing ministry in the San Diego area. But I'll never forget that time where God just took his hand and brought a release. God does that. And when you're in the midst of those moments, sitting in that house, you can't miss the Spirit of God. This is the key to connecting with God. Doing the things God has taught us to do, Jesus taught us to do, to be close to Him. But don't miss this. He wants to be close to you. Today, are you close to Him? Are you in an intimate relationship with Him? You see, He has this plan for your life. Are you on the path He wants you to be on? It's your choice. He's not going to make you do it. But I want to promise you something. He did not design a life for you and have a plan for you that it will cause you to live a life that does not have significance. You're going to know that you matter. You're going to know your life has meaning. And you're going to, in the end, step back and say, God, this is beyond me. And are you living on this path with him? It's possible to get down here and miss it. But I want to tell you, he didn't want you to. Jesus said the greatest thing, the most important thing is loving him. And he said what eternal life is all about is knowing him. And so I hope today you could say I am, I am in a relationship with God that's real.
I know others can't understand it, but I do. I, I'm in it. And if you're not today, I want to promise you, he wants you. Oh, he wants you. And maybe you've done something to hurt other people down here. He wants to forgive you and bring healing. Maybe you've done things to hurt yourself. He wants to forgive you and, and cleanse you. Maybe, maybe you're saying, I'm just so weary and sick and tired. And you know what he's saying? I can tell you, here's the words of Jesus to you. If you could hear him, he'd say, come to me. Come to me when you're weary. Come to me when you're overburdened and overwhelmed. Come to me. I don't want you to live like that. Come and let me help you. Come and let's do this together. And I want to tell you today, there's some of you, I really believe, who need to come. How do you do that? Well, you pray a prayer. You tell God. You call out to him and say, I want this. Then the next thing you do, we're going to make you step out and walk away from the seat you're in just in a very physical way of saying, you know what, no more uh, of the past. And it's going to become an amazing form of worship and a little bit scary maybe, but you're going to stand up and take a step and saying the old life's behind and I'm ready for the new one. I don't want this anymore and I want everyone to know it. So, so what I want to do right now is go to prayer. And today, if you either want to commit your life to Christ or recommit your life to Christ, I'm going to ask the first thing that you do is right where you're sitting, Whisper a prayer with me. I'll say a line. You think about it and you say it and mean it. Well, you tell God, I want this. I want you. I want that life. I don't want to go on anymore. I want to be free. I want to be cleansed. I want to be new. And, and he's going to do it. And then we're going to ask you to, to, to share that in a more public way in a moment. Let's start with the prayer time. Let's pray. Father, I know that you love us. I know you love us. You created us to have a very real, intimate relationship with you and to share love experiences with others. And everything in life ends up being about that. And I pray right now that we would understand that Sabbath, for instance, Lord, is a time where we not only experience you, but we do it with other people in ways that bond us and cause a relationship to be incredible. And fasting isn't so much about giving up food. It's about tuning into you and praying with you and then going out and blessing other people and experiencing you. And I pray right now that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would stir in this place. And I pray that every man and woman, every guy and girl in here would know how much you love them. So please, oh Lord God, move in our midst. And I pray, oh Lord, that you would reveal yourself right now to anyone who needs you in a special way. They need to come back to you. And they may not wonder or understand how, but right now it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. If they need to come to you for the first time, and they may have never done this, but now in just saying this prayer, everything's about to change and love and forgiveness and cleansing and renewal is about to come upon them. Maybe, Lord, it's about having a release in their life and they just need to be set free. But God, I pray that you would just literally reveal yourself to everybody right now who needs you. Especially to the person who's sitting and feeling like the weight of the world's on their shoulders. It's about to be released. I'm going to ask that we keep praying. And right now I'm going to lead that prayer where you can pray with me right where you're sitting, whisper a prayer to either commit or recommit your life to Christ. So right now, let's pray it together. Just say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurts, to make me alive, to make me new, to make me yours. And I say, yes, I want this and I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love.
and fill me with your spirit. And help me be who you created me to be. And help me live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, praise God for all of you who prayed that prayer. Praise the Lord.